This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 347. My experience with the coaching industry is that it is filled with people who want to help one another. And that's what the Star Coach Show is built on. And we're definitely diving into that in this episode as Marsha Clark, a veteran coach and entrepreneur, is coming forward to share her lessons learned as an entrepreneur so that we can lean into that and grow based upon the path that she's already walked. Join us in this episode. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Star Coach Show. It's fabulous to have you here. I'm super excited because the Star Coach Show is built around industry leaders and coaches coming forward and sharing their stories with us, giving us a peek behind their curtain into the things that they know to be true, the things that have helped them be successful. And that is exactly what's happening in today's show. I am delighted to have Marsha Clark join us. Marsha is an executive coach and an independent consultant who founded her own company, Marsha Clark and Associates, back in 2000. She has extensive experience in coaching and also in delivering workshops and trainings. She is an embodiment of that concept of you, you need to do more than just one thing to really thrive and to get your message out there. And she does that through leadership development and keynote speaking and executive coaching and so many different things, as well as being an author. She wrote the book Choose in 2004. And recently, actually in January of 2022, she published Embracing Your Power, A Woman's Path to Authentic Leadership and Meaningful Relationships. Marsha and I were talking about our passion for coaches and how we really need to be able to make the path forward as clear as possible for more and more coaches to thrive. That's why I do the work I do. And uh, she is equally passionate about that. So when we were talking about the many different things that she and I could focus on, she was really passionate about, I want to share the lessons that I've learned as an entrepreneur to be able to help those who are somewhere on their own path learn from the my lessons. Now, she has so many lessons learned because she's been so successful for so many years that we weren't able to cover all of them. We did do a deep dive into several and stay tuned for the interview because you're going to get those in the interview. However, she was generous enough to make her entire list of entrepreneurial lessons learned available to us. And you can get that download at starcoachshow.com slash 347, starcoachshow.com slash 347 and get the download from Marsha Clark in the show notes. So I want to thank Marsha again for sharing all of those entrepreneurial tips with us. If you can apply even a few of these to your work moving forward, I think it's going to just be game-changing for you. I'm so grateful that Marsha was willing to join us to have this in-depth conversation about the things that we can apply to our businesses so that we're not recreating the wheel, that we're bringing our experience forward and sharing it in such a way that it helps move the dial for our clients. This was just an incredibly good time talking with Marsha about her vast experience, and I'm excited to share it with you. So let's go to my interview with Marsha Clark.
Marsha Clark, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am just delighted to spend time with you this morning. Well, I love the opportunity to be here. Uh, you know, coaching is something I've been doing for a very long time. I would dare say that it was my more um, innate, uh, you know, leadership style as well. So um, uh, the people who do coaching have a special place in my heart, and the, the 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 actually the profession of coaching is one that I think is much needed and. Uh, delivers great value to our organizations. Absolutely. And and so with that, when we were having our conversation about, I mean, you've been at this a long time and there's any number of things you could, we could have talked about. We actually spent some time looking at, you know, the leadership angle, your book. Um, and And because we're both so driven to help coaches thrive, we knew that becoming entrepreneurs can be a struggle sometimes. Often coaches come into coaching after having spent years in organizations, um, years doing other things. Coaching is not usually our very first profession. Right. It's a profession we grow into. And with that, you said, I'd really like to help coaches get their feet under them as entrepreneurs. And with that, you've offered a um a download that will be available for this episode, entrepreneurial lessons that you've learned. And we're right. going to dive into some of a few of those specifically that are really going to give some grist to the mill. They're going to get help all of you who, even if you've been an entrepreneur for years, I think the things that Marsha and I are going to lean into are going to give you food for thought. Maybe I I think that there's always time to go back and reassess. Am I doing things to the best ability or am I making things too hard on myself is another yeah, thing that yeah. we might look at. So how long have you been in uh, in business for yourself as we sort of set the stage for what we're going to talk about? Sure. Yeah, I've been in business now. I'll be going on 24 years. So when this year wraps up, I'll be at 24 full years. And, um, you know, I came out of a corporate career uh, 21 years. So anybody can do the math and figure out how old I am. I'm really old. But, but you know, I, I can't agree with you more. People who, who, who first go into coaching, I just honestly think are at a bit of a disadvantage. They can know the academic aspect of coaching or the, the book aspect of coaching. But having had experience in organizational life and just life, right? Because right. It's into so many different parts, and I think they can do that with a certain group. But I, but but with people who were looking for really some thought-provoking, insightful, it often takes a bit of experience and just um, perspective. Perspective is one of my favorite words. Yes, to have the breadth and the depth to be able to offer coaching in a in a most meaningful way. Yeah, and I love the concept of perspective. I think that the roads that we walk to get to where we are can provide perspective for others, not so that they have to do the exact same thing we did, but no. that they can learn from the lessons we've walked. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I bring you know experienced coaches like yourself forward to say, what are some of the things that you bumps you've hit along the way, obstacles you've had to to navigate? So that everybody listening can say, oh, that's a different perspective. That's um, a better way to run this railroad. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So you've provided a list of lessons that you've learned that will be available for download. Um, and, and we want to kind of start with one of your favorites, which is about templates. What is so important about well, basically not reinventing the wheel every time. So, so what, what would you like us to think about? Well, so one of the things that I realized after having lived in corporate for 21 years, I had a lot of frameworks, checklists, models. You know, my company was EDS. It was a technology company. It was full of engineers and models and frameworks and checklists and, and process flows and roadmaps and blueprints. All of those things were just the way we worked, the way we even talked to each other, you know, was in that form. And what I learned in coaching is that uh, it's not just helping people figure out what to do. It's also helping them figure out how to do it. And many of my clients and, and people that have been through leadership programs that I've done, 
They talk about that as a real differentiator for the best coaches. They're not just the what, they're going to talk to you about the how. And, you know, one of the things that I also learned uh, early on in my my commercial coaching career uh, as an entrepreneur, I remember I was talking with a gentleman at a large telecommunications company here in Dallas, and he was going from vice president to senior vice president. And I had learned in my master's program where I'd gotten a little bit of the framework of coaching was never give them the answer, help them find the answer. So, you know, and and I get that because having been kind of a coach leader, it was real easy for me to move into boss role instead of coach role. So I had to be really specific. Mm -hmm. But he said to me, you know, when I was asking him questions, well, what do you, what, what would you do here? And what do you think about this? He finally said, Marsha, I ask you what I, what you would do if you were in my shoes. I said, well, I know, but it's not my answer. You, we have to find yours. And he said to me, I hired you because of your experience. And he said, I don't want somebody to just ask me what I think. I know what I think. I want to know what you think. And it was a big lesson for me in sharing my experience, if you will, not in a telling way or not in a directing way. But in a, well, here's what happened for me. Here's some of the things I thought about. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. And so both in sharing experiences as well as tools and templates is something that really became an important part of my practice from that moment forward. And so templatizing, you know, you do coaching long enough. You recognize there's some pretty basic fundamentals and some tools that are your go-tos every time. And so I just found whenever I developed anything for anyone, after I had given them their very customized, you know, branded version, I would go back, scrub that thing up because I had created some of them. Others I had borrowed and, you know, had given citations to, to, to source them and that sort of thing. But I wanted to, if I can, I'm making up all kinds of templatize, if I could genericize you know, these templates, these tools so that I could either customize them for future candidates or I've learned just giving them to people as a tool in their toolkit. And Meg, I want to offer one other thing. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you, you know, good leaders in my, in my world of leadership coaching, good leaders know they have a toolkit. Leaders know what tool to use when. So part of the coaching practice is helping clients understand what are the variables that they need to take into account to determine what tool to use, right? Because And templates and tools go hand in hand. So the richer your toolkit with these templates and frameworks and so on, the more options you have to consider when you take all those variables into account to know what you want to go do moving forward. So the idea of templates and tools yes. and sharing, not in a telling way, but just in here's here's what I did one time or here's what I ha- what happened to me. And after you coach for a while, you have not only your own experiences stories, you know, but you have that of your clients, not that you're sharing names and no, no, but experience, yeah, experience, yeah. So so your your storybook becomes uh, you know ever thicker and you have more volumes, right? And and so sharing all of that, I have found to be a tremendous value and in fact a differentiator in many cases. Love that. I definitely understand that we want to be able to help people tap into their inner wisdom. The other side of that is to your client's point, we've been hired because of what we bring to the table as well. So it, I always say, you know, if I'm a partner in this situation and I'm withholding resources, how strong of a partner am I? How, how much of a partner is that? So it it becomes offering versus dictating. And yet knowing that you studied more leadership principles probably than your clients or um, no different kinds of tools. I don't expect my clients to have all the tools that I have because that's my, that's been my focus for the last 40 years, 30 years, whatever. So that's right. um, I don't know. I don't know how to be an engineer. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And it's that same Mm trade-off. And I also, you know, think that, um, that the more that we can organize because that that 
that's the other thing I find with so many of my clients. They've got so many things coming at them. And, you know, after you have done this for a little while, you begin to say, oh, well, that's a process issue. Oh, well, that's a difficult conversation issue. Oh, well, that's a trust issue. And you can bring those things and help them see things that they can't see themselves. We all they're in the weeds of their life. That's yeah. right. That's exactly right. And so being able to, you know, step back and I go back to that word perspective, put it all into perspective. And we can see patterns and themes working with a client over time that um, when we start to connect those dots, picture starts to emerge. And I think helping helping our clients with that and, and templates and tools and how they choose to use them and how open they are to them mm-hmm. and help you know how to engage and work with that client effect. So you begin to build this beautiful library of, yes. of things that you can readily share versus, like I said, reinventing the wheel all the time. And I would say that also from the perspective of business owner, there's probably templates and I mean, forms and, and processes that I would just extend that a little bit to say, you know, be thinking about that as well. What are your standard operating procedures? What are the things that if you were to bring somebody on to work with you, you yes. could readily hand off to them because you've created the process. So I know that that's not necessarily the same thing, but yet it's under the same umbrella of so what are you thinking about to make your life easier? This beautiful library of things you can use with your clients, but also what could you put into template form that will help you as a business owner? Well, and, and I'll I'll go one further with that. So I have, for example, I when I would be working with clients, I'd go to the whiteboard and I'd start drawing things, you know, all that kind of stuff. And one of them, this goes many years back, he said, why don't you put that in a document? And I went, you know what? I really should. <laughs> Yeah. Right, mm. which is how you create some of those frameworks. Right. And if you time and energy, you're more efficient, you're more productive. And if you have to tweak it along the way, or you read something that says, oh, I should add that or something along those lines. But I will tell you two of the most um, asked for and shared templates that I have are is a document called Ending Well and another one called The First 60 Days. So we all have clients that are leaving one role and, you know, right other. And so how do I put a nice bow on this over here? And it's a multi-page document, but I still consider that a template and a tool because it's the, you know, here's here's the communication aspect of it. Here's the, you know, handoff transition of projects and documents, you know, part of it. Here's the meetings I always go to, all those kinds of things. And what that does is it doesn't, whether we move to another role inside an organ, the same organization or move to a whole different organization, it saves me time because I can leave that behind, put the bow on it, and they're not calling me going, well, well how did you handle this or where's that Right. thing? And then the first 60 days, I get to really focus. And oftentimes, clients are so excited about going to the new role, they forget to wrap up the old role. And, you know, we want to do, we do want to leave it well. Mm-hmm. And- those, for example, to your point, it's things I've done in my own career, plus things I've learned, plus things I've read and have been using those tools now for 20 plus years. And they are some of the most sought after tools I have. Well, and to emphasize again, that's also what leads to your claim to fame, right? I mean, like that's what people know when I worked with my coach, Marsha Clark does this. I got this from, I mean, that yeah. is part of your brand. It's part it of who you are and what you offer and what yes. makes you a sought after executive coach. That's right. That's right. And, and as I say, it can differentiate you, differentiate you amongst the many coaches that are out there in the marketplace is that relationship component, the experience component, but then giving me something that creates the self-sufficiency in me that I can use forevermore. So, so good. And that actually rolls super smoothly into our next one, which is that we want to price our services based on the value that people receive versus the effort it takes us to produce it. And that's just such a beautiful segue from what we've just talked about. So what do you want us to think about when it comes to that concept? Well, so this was a lesson I learned when I very first started. So I would be sitting talking to someone and, um, and you know, in the beginning, we're just talking and we're, we're really coaching, but we're not charging for it because we're trying to figure out how to do all that stuff. Right. 
So I would some somebody would be talking with me and I would say, well, I have something that I think can help you. And we I did I've never had an outside office, I always had a home office because oftentimes I was going to client sites and it just didn't make sense from a business perspective. So I'd just go into my office, you know, pull up the document, hit print, and then hand it to them. And they would and and that took no, that took, you know, three minutes or something. But it but it didn't take into account that. 20 plus years of experience it took. For- I was going to say, oh, yeah, just because right. it's created right. now doesn't mean that not a lot went into creating it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, but what I learned from that is I kept giving that away. And then, then it was like, well, how do I begin? This was the, you know, the beginning of a whole exploration of how do I price my services? But what I found in all of this is if, if I could just go hit click and print and give it to them, I didn't give it as much value, but when I got their reactions, gosh, this is exactly what I need, or I tried this and it worked, or I used this and shared it with my team, and now we're all using it and we're everything, our meetings go smoother, our one-on-ones are better, you know, what all those things are. And then I began to think about that's value-based pricing, not effort-based pricing. And that's where this principle came. And it really changed forevermore, you know, and what I begin to understand, and like most of us, you know, we start with, a. I started with a lower, whether it be hourly rate or base rate. And then as I got more experience, I thought, well, I'm, I'm more valuable. But again, I didn't always take into account the 25 years of corporate experience that I'd had, you know, from a secretary all the way up to a corporate officer in that time period. And so, I gathered a lot, you know, along the way, and I didn't give the value to that. And so that's what I would really uh, share with your listeners is, is don't undervalue and underestimate the value of what you're offering up to your clients. And whether that's reflected in your hourly rate or your retainer fee, or even in your proposals, if you've got deliverables and that sort of thing, because I know a lot of coaches go beyond the coaching role into group coaching and that sort of thing. I just think you've got to take the value and not the F. If you are going to think about effort, think about all the years of effort and experience that you bring to that to be able to create it and make it valuable for your clients. And So often, I think that as we talked about, coaches are coming into the field of coaching from all these other um, talent places that they've grown their talents. And somehow in mindset, like that all gets dropped. And now I'm a new, I'm a new coach. So how could I possibly ask people to pay me for something that I'm, I'm working toward my credential or I'm, and it's like, but were you did you hatch yesterday or did something, something, yeah. you know, what did you bring? I, I, uh, share the story about how, when I, um, I went into coaching after 20 plus years as a therapist and in my mindset was like, I can't tell anybody I was a therapist. Who's going to want an executive coach who was a therapist. They're going to want an executive coach who was a corporate officer. So I was diminishing my differentiator, all that experience, all those years that I'd worked with people to affect positive change in their life. I was like, yeah, I can't, I just, I'm a new executive coach. And, and so it, it, you know, how often do we diminish that, that basket full of jewels or, or uh, the, the treasure we bring. The treasures. That's right. You know, I, I know quite a few therapists who have gone into the coaching and just as, I don't know, I'm I'm going off on a little bit of a rabbit track here, but uh, you know, I think about uh, people ask me all the time, what's the difference between coaching and therapy and even coaching and mentoring. And, and I always say that therapy is about looking back and asking why coaching is about looking ahead and asking how. Is there an overlap in that, you know, the old Venn diagram? Absolutely, because what's happened to us in the past, obviously, is a pretty good predictor of what might happen right. in the future. And, and then, of course, the mentoring is how do I navigate this organizational system? So it's very targeted. But I, I look at the ability to look ahead and talk about how it's more practical in my day-to-day, and yet the psychology required to be able to know what questions to ask, how to the responses, how to probe and dig a little further. And you know, the old adage, and you know this from your therapy, is never take anybody anywhere that you can't take care of them when they get there, right? A piece of advice that I've given to a lot of coaches, you can be 
you can be on a curiosity or a provocative, you know, research-based mindset, but this person's going someplace that they need to be held and taken care of when they get there. And, and if you can't, don't go there. <laughs> right. Or to draw that line. <clears throat> so important. Anything else that we want to uh, focus on about this value versus effort before we move forward? Well, I would just say, you know, being aware of what market value is. And I know there's going to be market value prices all over the place, but but recognizing and having perhaps some network of colleagues and peers that y'all, the, the group, the collective will share with one another where they're uh, finding market valued information. So, mm-hmm. So if you if you're doing group coaching, it's one pricing model. If you're in Des Moines, Iowa, it's one pricing model. If you're if you're coaching executives versus first line supervisors, it's a different pricing model. And I think you've got to get a little sophisticated in that because that's the that's the business side of the of the coachness. And if you're you know, I just know so many great coaches. And really the two things that prevent them from being able to be as successful entrepreneurs as they hope to be is the pricing aspect of it, how to get clients. And so with those two pieces, so I think the pricing, you've got to know what the market is, what your quote unquote competition is, um, and what the experience of the either the, if you're working with a company and they're paying the bills then it's, you know, it's one pricing. I will tell you, I do a different pricing model, one for nonprofits, government, education, healthcare, uh, foundations, that sort of thing. It's a lesser rate because I know their budgets aren't as big. Right. Working with, you know, small startup companies, depending on, you know, what their, how much equity and value they have attached to them at that moment, or whether they're a bootstrap kind of organization. So I, um, I'm consistent to a degree as a starting point, but I also take into account who's on the other side of this transaction because my goal is to help them, right? So it's not just for me to make a certain amount of money. And so I've got variation on that, but knowing your market is a really important piece. Right. And I will say that consistently, I hear from coaches the most difficult aspect of beginning their own business is that there isn't just maybe a standard per se in coaching. There's such a range. And like you said, it depends on region and it depends on client and it depends on so much. So that concept, I mean, as a therapist, it was pretty much set. Like this is, this is what you charge. If you take insurance, this is what the insurance company is going to pay. I mean, that's just, it was, it's far more standardized. Um, So it, it does take some research. Nice. It takes a research and a business mindset. Yeah. You know, it goes back to that um, pricing to value. And, and I'll just share with your listeners, my experience over almost these 25 years is that individuals, if they're paying out of their pocket, mm-hmm. is almost always going to be less than what a business is going to pay. So you know, we all know the B2B business to business or B2C business to consumer. And the B2C with the client paying out of their own pocket, if you will. I just think that that there's a limit to that. Right. And if I get into the company and the company is supporting this coaching client, then if this engagement works out well, I will likely have additional clients versus word of mouth by this person who's paying themselves telling their friends. And yet not every coach is an executive or leadership coach. Not every, you know, there are that want to work with different populations who might not be corporately sponsored. So you just got to come up with what's the business model that works for you with that. that. Maybe doing some group along with that to get a higher per hour standard based upon you have more people paying a lower fee individually, but it, it adds up. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you, as I said, I try to find the right balance in those nonprofit church, you know, government, right. healthcare and so on with the paying. And so it's a balance even in, it's like managing a portfolio, right? I mean, you've got different, different um, 
client relationships, but the balance of it needs to be what you need to have in order to be a viable business. So, so, so good. Okay. We are going to now move into how do we clearly articulate and manage expectations? What's under that umbrella? So there's a lot under this umbrella. So, so let me just, uh, let, let me offer up that in my mind, almost everything starts with managing expectations. But before I can manage them, <laughs> one, I have to know what mine are, right? And I would offer to your listeners that I've found there are three kinds of expectations. There are the ones we have and we've communicated. You and I have talked about them. We've gone through some examples. We know we're saying the same thing kind of expectation. And that can be on anything from in the coaching world, if you cancel 24 hours before the, you know, our set time or, you know, how long, even how long is this engagement or I have the right to up my prices on an annual basis, whatever all those things might be. It also could be, um, you know, coaching also includes oftentimes the interviewing process, whether it's a 360, you know, assessment online document or whether it's a, a, a narrative interviewing type of thing, getting all of that lined up and how it's going to work and what's the report going to look like and who am I going to share this information with. All of those are things that need to be addressed from the expectation standpoint. And then the second kind of expectation is what I call, we have it, we know we have it, we've never communicated. And the way that that often shows up is, well, it was just common sense, right? You know, how could they not have known? How could they not have known that? And what I just share with, whether it be in my classes, you know, my writing, my podcast, my, you know, whatever it might be, is there is no common in common sense anymore. We'll be back to my interview with Marsha Clark right after this message. Hey, I know you're having fun this summer and it's the heat of the summer and you're thinking, oh my goodness, the end of the year is miles away. And in fact, it's really right around the corner. So if you are in need of mentor coaching in 2023, or if you need it in 2024, Maybe you don't need it, but you want it. You want to grow your skills. You want to be more confident in the way that you are engaging with your clients. I invite you to explore my mentor program. Participants love my program because they are able to engage with the skill of coaching with like-minded individuals and get one-on-one time to grow their skills. This is going to be my last program for 2023, and I am enrolling now. So go to starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash mentor, and check out the final program for 2023. Now let's get back to the show. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but the, the idea of, you know, in the it, it, many years ago, our families all grew up and we lived in the same area. We went to the same schools. We attended the same churches. We had the same neighbors. So the commonality of that, you know, created this pool of common sense. Right. In most of the people that I know and work with and live around and play with and all those kinds of things, they've come from all places in the world. And their experiences are not the same as mine. They've not been exposed to the same things that I have. So this idea of even stating what might be the most obvious um, is still an important part of the expectations. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. This is what's going to happen if you do this. This is what's going to happen if I do that. And, And then the third one is I don't even know I have the expectation until it is not met. So, so the, the, those are the three kinds of expectations. So what I have learned over the way is I am as explicit as I can be. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. You know, here's the, the notifications. Here's the, and I put a statement in, in many of my proposals, and this is more in when I'm doing programming, but it is, 
you know, if you cancel in this time, you're going to owe me this because especially in some of these, they're hard pieces of business to replace. Right. If I've got a, a, a coaching agreement in a company and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to get, you know, six to 10 coaching clients a year and all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. It's, I can't just go find six to 10 coaching clients like that. Right. So I even say in there, this is not intended to be an onerous, you know, cancellation fee. It is intended to reflect the reality of replacing any business that is, you know, that does not, uh, you know, is not fulfilled. And, and I think that that even being clear, most organizations and people that I work with who are good business people, they understand that. I mean, you can't because well, you're not going to take on another proposal that because you want to have time right. and energy for this person. So if That's this right. company pulls out, you've already said no or haven't pursued other That's business. That's exactly right. That's right. And I will tell you, I send notes to people who are saying, well, we're holding this date or we'll know an answer by here or, you know, we'll get back to you by then. Okay. I've got other clients asking for these dates. Can I give them to them or not? I don't want to lose business because you can't make a decision. (laughs) Right. I know that sounds a little harsh, but that's what business, that's the way business people think that your, your goal as an entrepreneur is to help people, but you're limiting your ability to help these over here because these over here, the others can't make a decision. So I think you've got to be realistic about those kinds of things. And that's a part of managing expectations as well. I'll work with you if you do finally decide, but we're going to have to be flexible on start dates or, you know, how many or whatever that might be. We've got to recognize. And, you know, that goes hand in hand in my mind with uh, some people only like to work with one client at a time, like if it's a company and they've got, you know, several clients there, they're. They may not want to take on more. And, and, and again, as you say, there's lots of different models out there and what people right. for in their own coaching practices. But I think it's really dangerous to have, you know, as all they, your eggs in one basket. In one basket. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because that basket goes away, you're stuck. And it takes a while, especially if you've been out of the market, but you've been dedicated to that sole um, client. Uh, it, 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 it's a trade off, right? It's right. Uh, I love the client. I love the people. I love the relationship. It's predictable. And when it goes away, then, you know, I've got to go replace that. And that's not always easy to do. And I think that, that, you know, we have to be realistic about the fact that companies are going to do what companies need to do to survive and do their thing. So it doesn't mean that they don't love you or what. I mean, but I've got the best relationship. They were never, they're never going to do X, Y, and Z. Companies sell, companies, um, Merge, merge, they have budget issues, they, you know, so with that, and, and the other thing that you said that I just want to emphasize is that they're taking care of their business needs and you don't have to be apologetic about taking care of your business needs. As a matter of fact, that hesitant, that willingness to unapologetically lay things out as an expectation is probably going to get you more respect. That's right. Well, and I would challenge your listeners in this way. If you look back on relationships or situations where you've been frustrated, confused, disappointed, or even angry, identify the expectation you had that was not met by the client or the client company. Because I have found with, again, in doing this work, a lot of places around the world, Frustration, confusion, disappointment, and anger are generally, I thought X was going to happen and Y happened, or I expected this by Tuesday and they weren't even ready. I mean, whatever all those things might be. And so if you think back on your own as you're beginning to even document your own expectations, and I do try to document as many expectations in I have a, what I call a little um, puzzle letter agreement, so I don't, I don't have to do multiple documents. That's the, template. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Template. And it, I, I don't need a. I mean, when when companies give me the thirty-two page master services agreement, of which three paragraphs relate to what I'm doing. So I've learned to do this little proposal letter agreement. Then they can make it a statement of work on, <laughs> on the big agreement kind of thing. But, you, you know, just in being able to lay out as much of those expectations in there just removes the confusion, the frustration, the disappointment that may lead to the anger part of it because everybody's clear on the front. 
Well, and and just one more aspect of that. I would say that 99% of the time when I hear from a coach who's in panic over something, it's because something wasn't set up clearly at the front end. And whether it's a confidentiality issue, a uh, expectation, whatever, it's like, oh, I didn't think to do that at the front end. So your point of when you learn those things, put them into form every every time we fall down and skin our knees it's it's a lesson learned that we can use going forward well and i would offer to i use a a, a, tr- a trust model that, that was developed by doctors dennis and michelle reyna and it breaks trust building behaviors into communication trust confidence trust and trust of character and un- the first bullet under trust of character is managing expectations so i would offer to your listeners as well that this is also about building trust, yes. right? You can expect this from me. I can expect this from you. And I then deliver that consistently and expect you to deliver that consistently. And that predictability of the consistency then becomes even further trust building, which we know is, is crucial in any you know coaching relationship we have. Love that. And that model that you use again is? It, it's called the uh, trust model. It's from the book. Trust and Betrayal in the Workplace, and it's by Drs. Dennis Reina and Dr. Michelle Reina, R-E-I-N-A. And I've been using that uh, model for 20 plus years. So it's, uh, it's, it's my favorite. I've looked at a lot of them out there. I know there are plenty, but that's the one that I use. And, and that too is a template that I use in, in, um, in a framework, if you will, to talk about when there are trust issues. So it's a, it's a great model for your, for your listeners to go pursue and will be a great resource, I think, in their, you know, coaching library. Right. Thanks for sharing that resource. I know that we're running out of time. I just would love to one other piece on your lessons learned. You say, don't let relationship desires outweigh business needs. And I'm just curious if we could dive into that for a second, and then we'll tell people how to learn more about you. Yeah. So the relationships can come in a couple of different ways. So a relationship can be with a company and maybe it's a big name company and, you know, big name companies often treat solo entrepreneurs not in the best way. And so how much am I willing to give of myself, to give of my energy, to give of my ego, to give of my time, whatever all those things might be to, to, to land this client, if you will. And I, you know, one of the other things on the list that, that your listeners are going to get is, you know, don't work with people you don't want to work. With. I mean, life is too short. And when you come work with me, I ask two questions. Are you willing to take some risk? Because we're not going to talk about checklist kinds of things. And are you willing to do deep work? Because it's hard, <laughs> you know, and so if they're not or if they are wanting to use me as a coach because they really aren't willing to deal with a problem employee, but they want to be able to say they've done everything that they could but they really know they're going to fire them when, when we're done. Anyway, I, I don't buy into all of that. I don't want to be. And so this idea of even if that's a big time relationship company brand name, you know, corporate name wise, I, I just think you've got to recognize where, where are your, and this is important for all of us as coaches, where's, what's your, what are your principles, right? What are the, the basis on which you want to do your business? And I would say to you, you know, you can go out to my website and, and you can read what I've wrote. And I really do try to live by that. And you've got to get clear about that on your own, because otherwise you can step into places you didn't mean or didn't intend to step, but then you find yourself there anyway. So it could be in that way. It could be maybe you're a, a, um, in a group of colleagues or peer coaches that, um, you know, you, you hold in high esteem and then you get in there and you realize they're not what you thought they were. I just relationships need to be ones with, in my humble opinion, professional, particularly in, in what I'm about to say, with people whose values align with yours, whose principles align with yours, whose integrity align with yours. And if not, I just say, walk away. <laughs> I mean, it's not worth the time. And you'll, you'll find yourself either having conversations that are uncomfortable or people not following through on things they were supposed to or not sharing business. I'll never forget there was there were two women who came to talk to me about and they were starting at some women's programming because as you know I specialize and do a lot with women and they invited me I think because I'd kind of been on their master you know 
list. And they invited me to their launch. And it was a program that many would have considered a, comp- a competitive program to mine that I'd been delivering for several years. And so I went and one of the um, content topics that they specialized in was naming elephants, you know, the whole idea of the elephant in the room. And we right, all. Right, right, right. And so I went up to them when I, because I wanted to support them. And I went up to them. I said, okay, I'm going to name the elephant in the room. I don't think of you as competition. There's plenty of business. We all need to get out there and do lots of good work to make this world a better place. And so, but it breaks that ice. And I just think you got to have those kind of relationships that you can be real. You can be honest. You don't see it as competition. You used the word partnership earlier. My definition of partnership is being mutually committed to whatever process we're in and to each other. I want you to be as successful as you want me to be. And that's what a true partnership is. And that's not a one-sided, I'm gonna, as a coach, I'm going to give it all away to you so that you get the benefit and walk away and have a great career. And I'm sitting over here going, how is my business going to make it? Right partnership and it's not good business. And so you want that, you want to work with clients and with people who recognize we're, we want all of us to win. We want all of us to achieve, you know, what our desired goals are, both on a personal mission basis, as well as our professional business mission might be. Marcia, you are such a wealth of experience and knowledge. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. You have a new book. Tell us a little bit about your book. Now, I do. It actually was published last year in, in beginning of 22. It, it's called Embracing Your Power. And the subtitle is A Woman's Path to Authentic Leadership and Meaningful Relationships. And as you and I discussed, I have, have did a, a year-long women's leadership program for 20 years called The Power of Self. And so as I am uh, every day moving further and further along the age, uh, you know, uh, continuum, almost 71 now. And so the women who come to me, they say, where were you when I was 25? Or, you know, can I have my daughter talk to you and, and that kind of thing? And I just thought, I don't, I'm running out of time and capacity, right? And so I chose to take this year-long program. The first book is focused on self-awareness of who am I as a woman, who am I as a woman leader, and so on. And then also on that interpersonal relation piece. So anybody who does much in this work, we know it all starts with the self-awareness and then our relationship with others. And then my second book is that will be coming out later this year, towards the end of the year, is called Expanding Your Power, A Woman's Opportunity to Inspire Teams and Influence Organizations. So the first book took the first half of my year-long program, this, right. the second half, and it's full of tools. So in the spirit of templates and tools and all those kinds of things, these are both intended to be, um, I'll call them learning books, not just inspiring stories, though there are, I hope you find that, but there's, there's checklists, there's models, there's reflection questions, there's activities. You can do it alone in the, you know, reading the book. You can do it as book clubs. I have some women talking about they're using it even as a part of their uh, development of their leadership teams. So it's got a lot of different, you know, application, if you will. And I'm pleased to tell you that the first book is an Amazon bestseller. And so, which is amazing. And, and I love the fact, you know, for everybody who's like, well, I know I have a book in me, but I don't know where, you know, Marsha's example is a great example. She's been doing a program. She has a body of work that has created not just one, but two books based upon, you know, how she broke that apart. So, yeah. Well, and I I hear people say all the time, I think I have a book inside of me. And I do too. I think everybody's got a story that they can tell and share. And, you know, I mean, it's clear because Amazon carries, I think, I think I heard from my publisher, 33 million titles (laughs) through Amazon. And, you know, you've got to decide. So tell your story. And I say this particularly to your female listeners. You know, women learn through stories and we learn through relationships. And reading stories, we can talk about the principles or the templates and the tools. And yet the examples and the stories are what bring them to life. So One of my favorite books is a book called Cassandra Speaks, and it's about uh, history is not what happened. History is who tells the story. And this fact that women's stories have 
not been written about or shared in the same way. And I think it's about high time we started doing more of that. So the more we can share our stories, the more we can influence and impact thoughts, perspective, decisions, solutions, recommendations, ideas, and so on. So good. Okay. So if people want to connect with you, we're going to have links for that in the show notes. We've got your We've got your handout that we're going to make as a download. So all that's going to be available in the show notes for this episode. Marsha Clark, thank you so much for joining us and bringing your expertise forward so that we can all thrive. I think you gave some wonderful information to challenge the way that we might think about some things. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. I really, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you I did everything right that I'm even doing it right today. And yet what I know is. I believe in what I'm doing, and I really have tried to to combine my strengths with my passion. And for me, that's about living on purpose. And I hope and wish for all of your listeners that they too can find that place for them. Because I I think, as I said at the very beginning, we need coaches in this world to help all of us see ourselves, see our situations in ways that when we're deeply in it, we're deeply in it, and we can't always be objective and um, even thoughtful in those ways. So we can get in the grips of it and, and not be able to move. And that's what coaches can help clients do. And I wish the best of you. And I love what you're doing with this podcast and, and YouTube you know, capability. And I wish uh, great success for all your listeners. Well, thank you. Speaking of podcasts, the name of your podcast is? Yes, Your Authentic Path to Powerful Leadership. And we have been doing that now for about a year and a half, and, and uh, we're in the top 2% of podcasts. And so we're discussing tools all the time and templates and, and concepts in, in those. And so, you know, you can, that'll be in your show notes too, I'm sure, to connect because they can listen on, you know, what did they say at the end of it? Spotify, Apple, or wherever you may get your podcast. <laughs> so it's available through all those places. And, you know, we would appreciate any, and if there's anything that we can do, either what you read, what you hear after listening to this, if you have questions, go to my website and those will be in the show notes and, and we'll be glad to, to help you in any way. So good. Thank you so much, Marcia. My pleasure and, and best wishes to you. Such great information. Thank you so much to Marsha Clark for sharing her entrepreneurial lessons learned. Remember, she is offering all of her lessons learned in a download that you can get at starcoachshow.com slash 347, starcoachshow.com slash 347. Get the Marsha Clark download and you can see other information about Marsha on that same page. We actually continue our conversation in the Star Coach member community around some other foundational aspects of building your business. Look for the Explore Community link if you're interested in knowing more about our fantastic Star Coach community. Come back next week when I am visiting with Jean Omlar about our mindset and how mindset impacts energy and our outcomes and how to really thrive when you get everything in alignment. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.